0: Welcome to Diminishing Returns. This week, we needed time off for some reason, so in lieu of a new episode, we present to you a selection of tasty cuts that were cleaved from their original programmes. And we're going to start by going back into those Halcyon Calvin days, episode 46 to be precise, where we're dealing with the Hitchcock classic and Calvin favourite, Psycho. We covered the whole Psycho franchise, as well as the Gus Van Sant remake and the Bates Motel TV series. We all enjoyed the original film, but of course, I managed to find some negatives. And then we go on to discuss Hitchcock himself, as well as throwing some shade at the Oscars.
1: I hate the title. Psycho? Yeah. Has has Psycho, the film, redefined the the language? Because I expect it has.
2: Yeah, I think the book was called Psycho. So, the the movie just took the title from the book, but as far as I'm aware, the book, like, it was a term, but it wasn't necessarily, like, because people weren't necessarily sure about what psychology was, so Mm. this film is the reason why people would say, you're such a psycho, become a slang Mm. term.
0: My problem with it is that nothing in the first half of the film where we're setting up the original story that we then undercut has anything to do with being a psycho, so it's kind of... It feels well, like oh know. well something's it got it to kind kick of off. Does right? so, like
1: the the protagonist is arguably more of a psychopath in the truer sense of the word. Like you could make the argument she she seems a lot more I don't know self-serving and emotionless. Nah, she's,
0: she? nah, yeah, she's. I tell you, she's full of guilt and she's sort of she's constantly thinking about what the people are going to be saying about her and, and she's worried about the consequences.
1: Yeah, I took that to be, I suppose, fear of consequences, yeah. But I took that to be a very self-serving, I expect they're doing this now, so I'll, you know, just planning out her next move rather than an emotional mm. thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I quite like the scenes where she's in the car and she's kind of hearing them talking because it's, it's such non-visual stuff, but it still worked, mm-hmm. it really helped. It's, it's very so well, You, you, you got yeah. the impression that, you know, that she's, all this stuff's going mm-hmm. around her head. and
1: It's very well directed. That's that's the thing. The first half of the film, for the most part, just feels a lot more, just a lot better crafted. I know, I know, a lot of people probably point to stuff like the camera work on when the policeman falls, uh, the when the detective falls down the stairs and stuff. But
0: oh yeah, well, there's a couple. Of... <laughs> the film really comes to life when it is,
1: like you say, the driving sequences, the the very the less is more attitude of. Just a shot of a policeman watching her across the road while she's yeah. oh, uh, talking that. to that car salesman. The interplay between her and that car salesman, mm. all that well, sort that's
0: of it. stuff. Like, like I said, there's so much, so much of this stuff that it's just little things that evoke atmosphere. And there's one particular shot that really jumped out of me, so I want to kind of highlight it. Mm. It's when the detectives talking to Norman, and they finally, he finally kind of establishes like someone did come here, and I want to look at the ledger, and he's mm. checking the handwriting in the ledger, like mm. to see if it matches. And there's a kind of a shot like from underneath norman as he kind of leans over to mm. look and for some reason that shot just like it really sums up like i can feel the tension in him he's kind of like pretending to be curious because he knows yeah. she signed in and i don't know why that shot i don't know why he shot it from underneath and why that worked that's great directing because i can't even tell you why it works but it, it just perfectly created the tension for me
2: it is a very interesting shot, isn't it? Because it's, cause Norman sort of leans in and then the shot is from under his chin and it's quite... Yeah. But you know that that shot is actually... It's it's actually reversed halfway through. Norman only oh. leaned in once and then oh, they reversed right. the film to bring it back. But it's seamless. No, you really can't tell. Well. Mm.
0: But interestingly enough, and we, we haven't come onto to this yet, I guess we will do, in the remake, uh, the Gus no, Ransom remake, no. they do a very similar shot, which doesn't work at all. And it's because, cost- I don't know why, but it does; it's just not quite the same. It just doesn't have the same feel. Mm. Um, well, that sums up the whole film, doesn't it? The whole yeah. remake. <laughs> like I say, you're, you're a big Hitchcock sort of fan, mm. Hitchcock expert. I mean, everything I've seen, everything I kind of can tell... Was Hitchcock just a massive bell end? <laughs> <laughs> was he just like a horrible person? Because it seems that way. Everything. Yeah, every story, I think it's
1: pretty obvious that he was. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well,
2: he he did he did like to torture his actors a bit. Obviously, yeah, tippy Hedren being I know. But not going in a kind but... of
0: Stanley Kubrick get a performance out of them kind of way. It just no like no was Kubrick a
1: was a dickhead too. Like they're, they're all <laughs> yeah, but... awful people, and that's how they I, I managed he, to get like. Excellent. You get the impression, though, with oh, how-
0: Kubrick, that he was kind of slightly mentally ill. You know, he's like yeah, probably that is true. on the spectrum, that is very You know, true. What I mean, like he was kind of. Whereas Hitchcock, I just think like he was a bit of a dick, and I can just yeah. imagine him like. Trying to talk to Anthony Perkins about women and uh, like not getting that he's gay, and like, Anthony Perkins was like, uh, "Yeah, yes, Mr. Hitchcock." Uh, yeah, very interesting. And he's like, "That that, that script uh, girl over
2: there, you a lovely ass." <laughs> <laughs> well, he did like. Yeah, this is a bit of an aside, but you know, um, like one of the license plates in the film, which I ever close upon is A N L anal. Oh, that was that was Hitchcock's joke.
1: <laughs> God, he's like bloody Shakespeare.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. you've just reminded me something else i don't like about psycho is that is yeah. the very is the very self-conscious camera movements. Is, now that's kind sort of a personal tasting i don't really like the the self-conscious camera uh, mm. where it just sort of moves of its own accord and sort of like moves over to something to show you it and it's like i don't like that
2: Yeah, yeah yeah there's a shot after janet lee's dead and the camera pans over to the yeah, money on the yeah, side yeah, table yeah, and yeah. the camera is really like following it and, and then, then it kind of goes dessert. to the
0: window and you see yeah. coming out yeah. and then like uh, and then what's that bit where it's in the mother's bedroom and it goes into a big close up on these like brass hands like statue oh, yes. things <laughs> and that is that just like a red herring to kind of suggest there's something going on there but then it never pays off. You it? know,
2: I I've, I've never quite understood what it is. That's when Vera Miles' character is uh, searching around the mm. house for for evidence of mother and there is this p- really odd close up when she like hones in on this one object these bronze hands and then she sees her own reflection in the mirror next to it and like startled. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I don't know the, what that means. Yeah. I don't know if it's part of the just part of the atmosphere, like because you're really drawn into that, and he's trying to focus your eyes in. Or I, I don't really know what he's trying to do.
0: Um, it always reminds me of like episodes of Murder She Wrote, where yes. it kind of like it'll pan into like um, a, a close up of a of, like a cigarette lighter. It's like, oh, that's gonna come into play later. <laughs> <laughs> that's, gonna, that's gonna be the murder weapon or whatever. Yeah. It's just obviously like he's kind of doing that as a fake out, I guess, but.
2: Yeah, no, no, well, I, I think the Murder, She Wrote comparison is quite apt when it comes to Psycho 2. Yeah. <laughs> I, it has a lot of murder mystery vibes, and remind, there is actually an episode of Murder, She Wrote where Jessica Fletcher goes and lives on the set of the Bates Motel. <laughs> <Of course>. <laughs> <laughs> I think one one of, the, one of the other interesting things to note, they recreated the Psycho set at Universal Studios in Florida, in Orlando. Oh, and okay. the the whole thing was filmed in Florida while tourists would come past and <laughs> see things be, scenes being filmed. And uh, obviously that pissed off quite a lot of people yeah. trying to make the film. Because that was one of the major selling points about Universal Studios back in the oh, day. Right. Is that, oh, you we're get... going to make movies here and stuff. And then they abandoned that quite quickly because it's just terribly impractical yeah. to try to <laughs> film something while to- truckloads tr- 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 of tourists are coming past.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, and and just as a quick word about the acting, because Meg Tilly, in going into Saga 2, was Oscar-nominated, as is Diana Scarwid, who is in the third film, the main woman in the third film. Ah, oh, interesting. Both, both Oscar-nominated going into these films, like stuff they've done before. Um, that Best Supporting Actress Oscar is responsible for some very <laughs> uh, dubious nominations, if you ask me. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's, there's always a shortage of options down there, isn't there? To get oh, five gosh. people in that. Um,
2: <laughs> I didn't think this so was going is... to turn into a Diana Scarwood bashing podcast <laughs> should we try and get some beef going with her? well <laughs> should we, we throw that. some I'm others in, in there because
1: I, I, I'm pretty sure Nicole Kidman's only got a career still because of that Oscar category not being able to fill out the uh <laughs> Just, five just to be clear, like I think
0: that. I think that's a fault of the industry. They don't write many good supporting female characters yeah. rather mm. than uh, their lack of acting ability. But they have to just really ram anyone they can find in there. I mean, that's why um, people like Meryl Streep have got 48 Oscar nominations, just because they're just like, okay, she's a safe bet. You know, she, yeah none of us have watched the films but you know it's Mag- probably put good. maggie smith in there again yeah like judy dench won an oscar for like a she was on screen for what 45 seconds was it? yeah <laughs> it's,
1: it's how it's how <laughs> melissa mccarthy has an oscar nomination for bridesmaids as well it's you know not that she doesn't give a great performance i like her in that film but it's not it's not oscar caliber is it <laughs> <laughs> on one hand like i say i kind of wish that we had just followed the first half of the film but there are a lot of films that do the same sort of bait and switch thing that I I quite like, and I'll often defend when people call them out for you know saying it's bad writing to do that sort of thing.
0: And I'm willing to bet that they all came after Psycho, right?
1: Oh yeah, of course it did. Because
0: this is what I'm talking about. Like I'm saying that there's elements of this film that I don't like, and I'm not sure it really works that well as a standalone film. Mm. But the fact that the, all the groundwork that it set, the precedents that it created, and, and influence that it's had, mm. has obviously been. Oh yeah. Positive and, and those created good things um and it's this is one of those films it made me think of like you know if you watch like a little indie film from some up-and-coming director and you t- yeah. don't know much about it and you go oh there were mm. some really interesting ideas in that didn't quite yeah. work but it wasn't really i want to see what they do next it felt a bit like that it felt like mm. someone but in this case obviously it's someone who's very established and he's like well fuck it what well, have i got to lose i'm going to start experimenting and playing around with stuff
1: yeah I was just going to say. Well, the the more modern films that spring to mind that do do that sort of thing, uh, you know, things like From Dusk Till Dawn that just mm. chucks vampires in halfway through the film. Well, again, that know. doesn't work either. Actually, but, <laughs> well, well, no, but I see. I I will defend that. film. We'll save that for another episode. I'm sure we'll get there at some point. I I yeah. really like that film. But I do as well. But I think I prefer. I think the first it half. works a hell of a lot better. Oh, we well, see. There you go. I think it works a hell of a lot better than in Psycho because I think the second half of the film is a lot better, and it's why you've sort of come to see it whereas for me the first half of psycho is probably the strongest half and the most entertaining half and i i think that's why it doesn't really work for me that that big change happens because it doesn't it doesn't shift gear in a way that makes things more entertaining for me
0: you just remind me something there i'm going way back now but um the fact that psycho was a film that changed the viewing habits of the public because Hitchcock insisted that you have to start at the beginning and watch through to the end. Yeah. Which apparently was a really novel concept at the time. Yeah. Uh, which, I, and I know films were differently about that. You just sort of dropped Well, in I was going to say, how would that
1: work? You just through. go in halfway through the... Yeah, right. you'd pay. Yeah,
2: you just you'd sort of pay a dollar or whatever, and then you'd go and sit in, and then you'd basically they'd pre-show the same film with newsreels in between, so you'd go halfway in through Ben Hur, maybe watch the second half, see a few newsreels. You could just sit there for as long as you wanted, really.
0: Huh. But it, it's weird because it's not like this was the first film that had a narrative structure that had to be yeah. seen from beginning to end. Like mm. all films have that for many years. So why would I don't know why people would just drop in halfway through? It's not even like it's mm.
1: the first film with a twist. At the end. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I think Hitchcock did take a lot of his um, publicity ideas from, well, a lot of ideas actually, from Le Diabolique. I'm not sure if you've seen it, oh, the French yes. film, which mm. is, uh, ob- Hitchcock really wanted to actually uh, adapt that book, but the French director got there before him. But, like, a big set of marketing point for that film was don't reveal the ending. The ending's so shocking. Don't tell your friends. Make sure they come and see it and all that kind of hype. And I think he did take a lot of that for psycho because yeah you weren't allowed into the auditorium after the film had started but when it just seems like now just common sense that yeah you don't yeah. walk into a film
1: halfway through or at very um, least at very least you kind of publicize the times that the film's going to be like restarting <laughs> at and encourage people yeah. to drop in on, yeah. like the you know that's that's really weird um, I assume you know about the original idea for Psycho 4 that was uh, pitched by Anthony Perkins and the guy who wrote Psycho yeah. 3, right? Because I've just read about this. So what, so what, what was the idea? Um, well, apparently the, the idea is that the house and the motel are turned into a, a tourist attraction that hosts kind of horror weekends. And uh, oh. there was going to be you know an actor hired to play Norman Bates to scare everyone. Meanwhile, Norman Bates <laughs> <Vint form>. escapes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Norman Bates escapes from the mental home and uh, gets hired to play Norman Bates at the horror weekend. <laughs> and, uh, and it was meant to be a black comedy, but Universal went into it, apparently. So, Huh. I,
2: mean, I would love to have seen it. I know, it sounds it, brilliant. You know, it some alternate reality yeah. where it exists. Yeah. <laughs> Although, uh, yeah. just
1: reading about it, apparently, um, just reading about Psycho 4 in general, apparently, Anthony Perkins thought it was the best out of the sequels too, so Alan, uh, oh. we're, in, we're in the same company as Anthony himself.
0: Well, as you've just heard, Psycho is one of those episodes that generated so much discussion that we had to cut a lot of stuff out for time. But the other major reason that things get cut out is because we go off on tangents that are nothing to do with the films. But that doesn't mean it's not entertaining. So here's a little snapshot into our personal lives uh, from when Sol and I lived together in London.
1: Remember about five years ago, Alan, when we went to that stand-up comedy night, <laughs> <laughs> and that guy trying out some new material. <laughs> yeah, I do remember. I don't topical.
0: know why. Oh, is it just you talk about things that are not very
1: timely? Yeah, he, doing, he, he thought he, he was tried doing out some, material about. He was like, "Oh, I was, I was, uh, I was just reading about Tony Blair the other day." <laughs> this was in two thousand and twelve. <laughs> He was doing he was doing the
0: tale about Tony Blair in the Middle Peace uh, Middle East Peace Envoy <laughs> and he was like that happened two years ago and then the material he did was basically came down to oh tony blair peace in the middle east that doesn't really make sense does it hey eh?
1: <laughs> as if no one had ever made that observation before oh god it was so fucking it was, honestly calvin it was the it was the cringiest thing because not only all of that but then he said that that's the equivalent that's like if i if i took a quran and had a shit on it and said how do you like that you know, and and then this guy in the audience st- stood up and went, "Yo, man, that's racialist." And I'm a Muslim. That's offensive. Yeah, that's. A- How would you like it if I said go and have a shit on a Bible? And then the guy, the guy was like, "Oh, that's fine with me." But then it was honestly because there were only about like 20 people in the audience. It was the most cringy fucking thing. And, and he didn't drop it, it and like carry on. They just ended up having this like bickering back and forth. It was oh my god it was honestly it was so amazing. cringy it was unbelievable
0: oh god me! and, he, and it, he kind of picked
1: on Alan at one point like when they're going around looking for people to oh no. to like uh, <laughs> to joke with in the audience he was like oh what do you do for a living and Alan was like oh I'm a filmmaker and uh, the guy was like oh got any films in the works or whatever and then Alan said something like depressed failing comedian kills himself or something <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Did> you actually? <laughs> That's really funny. That's really quick
1: witted. It, it was a uh, it was a quicker wit than was displayed on stage at all that night. It was a the, he was he was the
0: compare as well. Like he was oh, the guy God. kind of hosting. So he kept coming back in between the acts. It wasn't like a bad actor. Then fucked off. It was so <laughs> crazy. <laughs>
1: God. Anyway. Sorry, yeah, oh, just, that, that comment about timely <laughs> material just reminded me. <laughs> Brought up memories. <sighs> God. What were you we sure. talking about? <laughs> hey, Alan, remember when we were living in Brixton, and then on Gumtree, I think it was, there was an ad for a chimp, and we were like, oh, yeah. seriously, considering getting <laughs> a chimp? Yes! Oh, God.
0: Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs>
2: What? how would you even have like looked after it?
0: Like, we'd have just we'd, we'd, we'd have, have got a... bored after a couple of weeks and let it go. It would have been fine. <laughs> we
1: we gave that some like serious consideration. I think I looked into it and it's it's too much hard work when they hit puberty and yes. then they like start ripping faces off and stuff, but if that if it wasn't for that, like that would have been our house chimp that we just had running around. Oh, God. Is it is it even legal to own a chimp in this country? Probably
2: not. Like what
1: you would have done. I'm sure you need some kind of permit. But I've got. I, I might be misremembering. I've got a feeling it is legal, but it's one of those like it's like the law just hasn't been like no one bothered to update the law for chimps because it's just like it people aren't stupid enough to go and have pet chimps or something. That would have been fun. Where would we be now? I'll tell you where we'd be. Sean would have taken it to Scotland because we would have got sick of it. And <laughs> he'd, he'd be stuck with a chimp looking after it. I think the idea was, like, the thought process was that would be a good icebreaker for just, like, impressing women. <laughs> just have a chimp on your shoulder. I seem to remember that being the motivation behind
0: it. I think Yes, probably would bear out. At least, yeah, yeah an icebreaker. Long term problematic. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for James Franco. Yeah. <laughs> now, you probably guessed that that second clip came from our discussion on the Planet of the Apes, which was actually a double bill looking at the classic series and then the Tim Burton remake as well as the more successful reboot with Andy Serkis as the revolutionary chimp Caesar. Now, those were episodes 58 and 59. And if you'd like to listen to them, just go to our website, dimreturns.com, where we have all our old episodes. And plus, of course, you can find them on iTunes or whatever your podcasting providing services is, and just find them in the usual way. And another long-running franchise that we covered in great detail is Alien. So here's some extra stuff for you about James Cameron's contribution. Uh, well I, there are things I, I really like about aliens in terms of the way that it's presented like the production design again is, is fantastic in fact pretty much mm. all the films it is. um well, okay what, what I want to praise what one thing I like is particularly the the helmet cams thing where all the, okay, all the yeah. troops have yeah. helmet cams and and so we and it's great because we we see a lot of like point of view stuff. It really puts us in the action, but that at the same time, it keeps us distant because we're watching on a screen. Like with Ripley, where we've not got any peripheral vision, we're not sure what's going on because someone's being attacked, and and it, it just creates the atmosphere really nicely. I think that's a nice. And I don't know if that was particularly a directorial touch or if it was just sort of came through general ideas for the film and cinematography and the script or whatever. But then on top of that, there's some nice things which comes down to script, I think. A lot of nice setup and and payoff. They set up early on that they're basically sat on top of a nuclear bomb because it's used later on as the way of destroying the whole place. And in fact, it's the threat, Mm. the the thing they have to get away from ultimately, as well as the aliens. And so it's just sort of set up earlier and then pays off. And then the other big thing is when we see Ripley has got a job in a factory and she's working like this forklift truck suit thing. Which hmm. pays off big time at the end. But when it's setting that <laughs> yeah, up, but, but it works.
1: But they're so... They're such, like, Chekhov's guns. Of, like, they're not subtle setups. It's well, so no, obvious. I think, right, no, I don't think you know,
0: I think it works as a a subtle set because it's just setting up her character she's she's doing something else and she's like she can hold her own against the guys she can still do things i think it does work i don't think when you see her in that cool suit you don't think oh she's gonna fight an alien with that later
1: no but you do think oh the nuclear reactor is gonna get blown up at the end of the film
0: no because the way they set it up is to make it the, it's a plot device, as in that's the why they can't shoot their bullets, and so it looks okay. So that makes sense. It's been set up, and there's your payoff straight away. So you don't I th- mean, necessarily. I'm, I think don't this know. Going Maybe I've. And it's not a big twist or anything because it's not that much later where they find out that it's a problem. So it's yeah. not like a big thing. But I just I, I think the script script is quite nicely structured. I think there's a lot of things that work in there. But I, the speaking of that forklift hand suit thing, that's a really cool design. That's a nice looking thing, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, she has to fight the alien queen at the end, and it puts her on a level pegging in terms yeah, of Yeah, I think that, but size, that, that's I a
0: really good way of making that work, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, it,
2: it works. But again, it's just like, all right, then yeah, I can kill that. Just give me enough equipment, and here we go.
1: Yeah, but it, but it is a real... Fight with the queen at the end. I mean, it's it's not like they're just gunning down the aliens with relative ease, like earlier on in the film. No. Oh
2: no, I totally get it, and I I understand. And I understand, and it works for this kind of a film. I suppose my problem with it is that it's even this kind of a film to begin with. And what I I think mm. well, so as you mentioned earlier, each film in this four film series is a different genre. You can argue this is the only one where it doesn't quite
1: work for me. It, it, it's it's much more. Born out of the first film, though, isn't it? It doesn't. There's not a great deal of of uh, unique flavour in this one, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. No, but like it... I love I love the look of the alien queen, for example. Yeah. But it is very much like right. That was cool. Like like draw it, but make it bigger, and we'll make that <laughs> the big bad one. <laughs> yeah. But having said that, the the creature design that like the the creature effects in this film are are really quite impressive. To say really? the first ones. Yeah, compared to the first film, do you not know think? I mean, the uh, first one obviously was nearly ten years earlier, but, no, but this th- film doesn't.
2: This is a lot of men in rubber suits, like quite obviously men in rubber suits, and I I I have an issue with how this movie changes the impression of the alien anyway, and just makes it insect-like. It's like ants; they're just they hive, and they they can be yeah. killed quite easily.
1: They're just. I do agree with you there. Yes. That that is something that really bugs me when I watch it.
0: Yeah, I don't yeah. like the fact that. You know, you basically just, oh, alien, yeah, shoot it. Shoot it from a distance, don't yeah. get acid on you, you're all right. It's like, yeah, it's a little bit too easy to kill them, isn't it? And so, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, So they have to have just loads of them to make it a threat. Yeah,
2: exactly. That's the only reason why they're a threat, because there are so many of them, because they've taken over this colony and of people and presumably impregnated all of them.
0: And they almost get around it by having this plot device where uh, they can't shoot because they're basically on top of a nuclear reactor and they don't want to risk mm. damaging it but then that's basically completely forgotten because they get attacked so everyone dies and then the ones who survive are the ones who secretly kept their bullets and they go around firing them anyway it's the kind ones of with a their bit... names in the credits <laughs> um and the other thing is this kind of sexual chemistry she has with hicks which never really goes anywhere and but there's just enough there to kind of like oh there's a bit of a free song there they're the kind of and it's and it seems to be based on a mutual sort of respect rather than like just lust um and yeah. i like that I like those little character interactions and, and that's the sort of thing that helps bring the whole thing to life because the characters work nicely. Mm.
2: There is one shot and James Cameron's very proud of this particular shot and fair, fair play I think. It's it's the, it's the only shot where you get a slightly over um sense of the family unit that's being created. It's shortly after Ella, uh, Ripley and Newt have been trapped in the room with the facehuggers mm. and uh, the Marines come in and save them and there's just one shot where it's like Ripley is holding Newt and uh, Hicks has his arms around both of them, and it is just this family unit like, <laughs> yeah, it's mum, dad, and kid, isn't it? But yeah, um, it's, but I, I, it's
0: not overplayed. That's what I like about No, it. Yeah. no, it isn't. How many films do you see a, a, a love story just crowbarred in for no reason?
2: Well, exactly, yeah.
0: So after we discussed Aliens as well as the other films in the classic quadrilogy, we did our own pictures for sequels. And for some reason that is now lost to time, I pitched what J.J. Abrams' script would have been if he'd been called on to write a sequel back in the early 2000s. No idea why, but we can't have an episode without an idea for a sequel, can we? Okay, so his plot is set on Earth and and the film takes place within a a relatively small community because it's kind of a post-apocalyptic idea, but not complete destruction of society, but there's sort of, you know, smaller pockets. Um, And our hero is the strong independent woman whose job is to maintain and run this very large kind of solar panel array from which the town derives all its power. Uh, and that's just her day job. We sort of introduce the character. And then at some point, there's a security breach. Uh, they go, fig- they try and figure out what's going on. And they find just a lot of damage. And ultimately, what they find is this large kind of herd of xenomorphs. Uh, and the townsfolk, they don't know what they are. They've never been introduced to this concept of these particular creatures or anything like that. So they're just this weird creature they've never seen before. And the, mm. the xenomorphs are generally kind of benign, but they will occasionally like rampage and they can kill people, but they're not kind of deliberately attacking people, but they're just very destructive animals. They're trying to figure out what to do about this. Uh, and and then a representatives of the evil Weyland-Yutani company uh, turn up. And now they're looking for their escaped aliens. Uh, the corporation has got something going on, um, uh, doing experiments, blah, blah, blah. And then the aliens escaped. And so that's what it's coming from, this community. Uh, now, this is important because you have to have, this is what I've learned from the previous Alien films, you have to have the cooperation of the bad guys because the, mm. the aliens can't be the bad guys because they're essentially more animalistic. They're not thinking about what they're doing. The Queen, to an extent, does. Um, mm. And I would argue that, that doesn't really work uh, very well. Because, but, well, basically, the explanation is that the company has been experimenting with the, the aliens and different host species and, and the hmm. idea is, and this is something I want to bring in, that the host species has a major influence on how the creature works. Uh, like, and, and we've touched on this in Alien 3 specifically, and it doesn't really get expanded too much. Uh, but that alien is different to the others because it came from a, a dog or a cow uh, instead of uh, a human. And so these are like cow's animorphs, and they're just kind of slow. <laughs> um, okay, so basically the end of that one is that the, the corporation needs to get rid of all the townsfolk because they've seen things they shouldn't and they need to kind of get rid of it so what they do is unleash a human xenomorph as in one that's been hosted through a human and therefore the very clever one the very ruthless one and and, and all that that we're, we're familiar with uh, and that means you've got that one kind of main threat uh, and and this could be this could have been partially trained or is controlled in some way because the end goal of all this stuff has been to weaponize this creature um and so mm-hmm. like I wanted to kind of see what that might actually be. And so then the the townsfolk have to come together in a big community to fight the alien under the leadership of our strong independent hero. And and that that's basically it. They they defeat it through that some means. Blah blah blah. Okay. So that's the script. J.J. J. Abrams has delivered. Boom, he's a good guy. He always delivers. So if you'd like to hear where that came from, then revisit our alien series, which are episodes forty eight to fifty. And now there's something completely different. With some outtakes from our discussion on the Lego Batman movie,
1: the cast I, as well in this film are phenomenal. Uh, mm. Jenny Slate might be my favourite um, Harley Quinn in a film. Nah, you <laughs> uh, can't
2: be Arlene Sorkin.
1: Yeah, but she's not done any films, as she is. Harley- oh no, did she? Was she in Mask of the Phantasm or something?
2: Oh, good question. I can't remember.
1: Yeah, I mean she she's no original Harley, but I prefer Jenny Slate's Harley Quinn to Margot Robbie's, and mm. maybe that's more of a. Slight against suicide squad than hmm. <laughs> you know her i dunno, but um it, and the fact that they bothered to cast roles like that as mm. as well as they did, I mean a really? lot of it was probably just who you know who's funny that we can get to record two lines but But even
2: no i don't know because even like getting billy d williams in to do two yeah,
1: yeah. after he
2: was uh (laughs) kicked out of the tim burton sort of era joel schumacher era of the franchise uh
1: i I think some of them like jenny slate they might have been thinking right well we need to make sure we cast this properly so that Mm. if we do more of this stuff down the line we've got someone good on the other hand, they had Conan O'Brien as the Riddler, and I think that probably was just like, oh, Conan O'Brien says he's, you know, happy to do a line or two for us, and, you know, tomorrow, mm. if, if we can have him voice anyone. Yeah. I can't imagine they're, like, angling to get him in as mm. uh, a, a villain in a sequel or anything. Mm. Um, in fact, the only weak link for me in the cast is probably Zach Galifianakis as the Joker, mm. and... It's not so much a problem with him because I I I like Zach Galifianakis and I think he's actually a a, a very underrated actor. But I just feel like he wasn't Joker. He, he played it as Zach Galifianakis. It it was the same as when he voiced Humpty Dumpty and Puss in Boots. It just it didn't he didn't bring any mania or, or hysteria to the role particularly. Uh, he didn't find a, a an interesting new take on the character. It just felt like oh, Zach Galifianakis is playing the Joker and I wish they'd found someone a bit more interesting or someone who would have given a more interesting vocal performance to do it. I don't know, how how do you guys feel? I I just think for such an iconic character.
0: I can't say it particularly jumped out at me as being bad.
1: Um... It wasn't bad, it's just he wasn't scene-stealing. Yeah, and I feel I like the Joker agree. needs it, it, to be scene stealing.
2: It wasn't like Mark Hamill or um, you know, uh, Heath Ledger, Jack Nicholson, it wasn't any of those. But yeah. I don't, I don't think it I don't know if it would have had the same because a lot of the film is about Joker trying to get Batman to admit that he is it he loves him or he hates him.
1: Uh, he hates him. he hates him. But they're yeah, playing yeah. it as a romantic. Yeah, thing that, that I think
2: that's was. where my confusion came from. And I don't know if that would have worked if he was truly unhinged and completely mental. It's like there has to be some level of um, rationality yeah. to it to make it funny.
1: But, I mean, if if Mark Hamill had, for example, done it, I think it would have worked fine. I mean, it wouldn't because you'd be thinking, why is it the same voice as mm. the other series? But, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll say this. He was better than Jared Leto. Oh,
0: yes. God. I didn't exactly do research about Lego, but I was when i was looking for my pitch, i I was sort of looking up like um weird lego sets or like the strangest lego sets and stuff like that and there was some like just by the way that people were writing about it you could tell that like lego is one of those real nerd things oh isn't it like where it's like oh i got a a, a 7hf block uh, in in red it's very rare
1: (laughs) i had the same experience I, i was doing a bit of research for trying to come up with a pitch and yeah, like there's a, a Lego wiki and you go looking and it's just too detailed to like just it's like you say it's just lists of letters and numbers and codes and this block was, you know, entered production in 1983 and was featured in these sets but then ceased production and was replaced with the this block and It did remind me of these it, colors it, and
0: It reminded me actually I watched the other day I watched one of Calvin's Bond videos um Available on YouTube, Calvin Bond Review, um, the one where you were looking at a, a range of toy cars that were from all the films, <laughs> and it was just it was just you looking at boxes of cars and then looking at a little toy car and going, "Oh, it's blue! <laughs> Look, it's shiny on the bottom!" It. And it was, it, and was like it an
1: unboxing. <laughs> uh,
0: well, no, it was more of a review of the whole thing. I mean, some of them oh, didn't okay. come out of the boxes because it'd be far too. I don't understand uh, unboxing precious. videos. <laughs> well, you do, you do them as well, don't you, Calvin?
1: yes what do you want
0: (laughs) i mean i didn't watch the whole thing i couldn't stand it oh i guess a few minutes
2: i couldn't stand it wow
0: thanks (laughs) no you you, the the actual film stuff you do is fine it was just you looking at toy cars it was like (laughs) they weren't even like good toy cars with loads of gadgets they were just shit like here's a plastic car
2: i think we're getting off topic here
0: I'm trying to give you a plug, Calvin. <laughs> oh, then, yeah, a plug that contains the yeah, phrase "I couldn't what? bear to watch it."
1: Look, like if, listeners, if you if you enjoy watching a challenge grown adults play with <laughs> toys um, meant for children, then go to Calvin Dyson Bond Reviewer YouTube channel and, and yeah, subscribe. Except
0: you're not allowed to play with them. You're just allowed to put them in the boxes and look at them. Um, because otherwise they they lose value. Because
1: it belongs in a museum, Alan. Uh,
0: huh. If you'd like to see more of Calvin dissecting Bond and looking at crap toy cars, then his Bond Review YouTube channel really is very good. Just search YouTube for Calvin Bond Reviewer for all his material. And while you're there, you can check out Diminishing Returns, as we also have all our episodes up there, thanks to the work of a listener, actually, who has been faithfully converting our audio into video files so that we can upload them and give you just one more way to access the show. Many thanks to Tom Patton, who has been sorting that out for us. Uh, Next up, we have a quiz. Regular listeners will know that we love a quiz here at Diminishing Returns, and we even did a big quiz special for our 100th episode, that turned out to be so quiztacular that we had to cut some out just to get it down to a somewhat reasonable length. So here is one that didn't make the final episode. This is a this is a quiz based on the Oscars. We do an Oscars Ooh, special yes. every year, of course, in which we watch all the best picture Oscar nominees. <sighs> uh, so, but don't worry, it's not going to be too specific about what we've done recently. Calvin, I know you haven't seen them. What I'm going to do is gonna, I'm going to give you a particular category here, and Ooh. you're going to take it in turns to give me a correct answer right right and whoever falters first loses and Ooh. the winner gets gets two points Ooh, so this is good okay basically so hang on
1: the foot fir- we, we take it in turns i think it'll make more
0: sense if i give you the category so Carvin you're gonna go first okay and what i want are winners of the award best supporting actress Okay. So now you're going to go back and forth until you run out of answers, and the first one that runs out loses. Oh crap! Okay.
1: Fuck. And and you need like actor and film they won for.
0: No, right, okay. <laughs> few, just okay. actor, just the actor. Uh, if they've won more than one, that's fine; it still counts. Okay. Um, okay. And so yeah, you know, I'll know you'll get a few, but then how quickly will you break down? Is I'm, the question. i obviously go struggling. for the obvious ones first. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, best supporting actress is a tough one. Calvin, you're okay. going
2: first. Um, uh, Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie for
0: Girl Interrupted it was Girl Interrupted in 1999. Mm, mm. Well done, Meryl Streep. It's a solid guess, isn't it? <laughs> let's see. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, she did. Uh, um, was it Kramer versus Kramer? Oh no, it was the Deer Hunter.
0: Hang on, let's see. I've got. I'll go through what I've got here. She definitely um, did. Nominated for. The Deer Hunter won for Kramer vs. Kramer, yeah. yeah. Nominated for Adaptation. Nominated for uh-huh, Into yeah. the Woods. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Well mm. done. Melissa Leo? Melissa Leo, she won quite recently, didn't she? Do the you know Fighter, for? I
2: believe. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: She won for The Fighter mm. in 2010. Mm. Okay, uh, So Jennifer Tilly? Jennifer Tilly. Do you know what? Mm. I think did she win? She was just Oscar, no- Oscar nominated.
1: Oh, I thought she, she won. She was
0: nominated. She was nominated for Bullets Over Broadway in 1994. She lost to Diane Weist in the same film. So that is the end oh. of oh, your film. That's two points to Calvin. Hooray! Um, do you want to know some answers some, see, see if there's any obvious ones we missed well, there's like well, 85 did, ones did, that
2: we haven't mentioned
1: well, so. Nicole yeah, Kidman just, was going to be my next broad strokes guess but I don't know if she's Judy ever had one for supporting
0: and, um, Hattie Judy Dench definitely of, has yeah, yeah, yeah Hattie McDaniels, McD- 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 Alison Janney of course this ah, year, right, yeah, did they, they, Oprah Viola, Winfrey Viola did she Davis.
2: win, colour purple y- oh no she hasn't yeah. actually
0: Whoopi Goldberg Whoopi Goldberg won for Ghost I think yeah Color Purple didn't win any, did it? Got nominated for loads, and didn't win any. Did
1: Amy Adams ever win for supporting? Uh, she's the only other one I could pull to mind, but I don't know if she's even been nominated mm, for. No. no, she has been nominated. I don't know if she won.
0: Yeah, she was nominated for Junebug and the fight. You got Marissa Tomei as the famous one for my cousin Vinny, the famously shit one. Oh yeah. Uh, Tate O'Neill, she's the youngest winner. Anna Paquin, she was young one oh, as well. Oh. Anne Hathaway's won it. So, yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, mm. But that's a tough one, isn't it? They're all mm. disappointing actors. Mm. Okay, so the next one, I think you guys are going to be a bit better at than I was. And Saul can go first on this one. People who have won the Academy Award for Best Original Score.
1: Ooh. Okay. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith. Yep. He won for The Omen. He might have won for some others.
0: Hang on, here, let me find... Yeah, he won for The Omen... And that seems to be the only one he actually won. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, shall I go? Yeah. John Williams? Ah, John Williams, Johnson. yeah. He's been... Yeah. How many times has he been nominated? 46 million, times? It? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Won for plenty. Uh,
0: yeah, he's won... I think Jaws was the first win he had. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof. He won a Best Adaptation score for that one, which ah. is a, a brief period where they would giving that award. But yeah, uh, Jaws was the first proper one. Yeah, okay. Good answer.
1: Um, Hans Zimmer?
0: Hans Zimmer! Must
1: so, he's been nominated yeah, a trillion good. times. I'm not sure if he's actually ever won. I think he has. I think he won for, for Rain Man.
0: Okay. Uh, King, Rain Man first nomination, but he didn't win that. Shit. He won for the Lion King. Oh, he did win for the Lion
1: King.
0: Good, good. Ah. He, he did, and that was the only one he won. Cool. Hmm.
1: I've got two other sure things uh, in my in my mind. Here, okay. But I'm uh, good good. I I took out the obvious one with Hans Zimmer just to get him off the table.
2: Yeah. This could backfire on me, but Bernard Herrmann, I'm pretty sure he he must have won at least once.
1: Who's that? Is he a James <laughs> okay. Bond guy?
2: No, no, no. He did Psycho and Taxi Driver. Oh, oh, know. he must have
1: won for something. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Vertigo, Cape Fear. It says here he was he won. Okay. Uh in 1941. Mm, okay for when they would they they broke up the category, so it was for best score of a music or dramatic or, or comedy picture yeah, yeah i, I know music I, rather than a musical yeah oh okay uh, so he won for that for the devil and danny webster he was nominated for anna and the king of siam mm. obsession mm. he was nominated for posthumously but that was the only one he's won yeah i'm going to okay. give you that okay i should
2: bloody well think so uh
1: trent Reznor?
0: <laughs> yes correct you know what
1: for the social network yes correct
2: Okay, um, Alexander Desplat, is how you pronounce it? Um, he won for The Shape of Water.
0: Uh, ah, okay.
2: But I'm also just a fan of him anyway. He might have already won for another one.
0: Uh, well, he definitely won for Shape of Water. Let's see if he pops up anywhere else. Nominated for The Queen. Hey, yeah, yeah, that's and the one that I know. Curious Case of Benjamin Button, no. Fantastic Mr. Fox, The mm. King's Speech, mm. Argo, mm. Philomena and then he won for the Grand Budapest Hotel a few years ago. Oh, okay. And in that same year, was also nominated for the Imitation Game. So yeah, lots for him. He's won two. So yep, yeah, definitely oh, a correct answer yeah. there.
1: Getting hard now. It's getting harder now, isn't it? Um, James Horner. Did he win for Titanic? Oh, I think he did. Nominated for Aliens, Field
0: of Dreams, Apollo 13 and Braveheart in the same year. Won for Titanic. Hey. Hmm. Nominated for A Beautiful Mind, House of Sand and Fog, Avatar. yep. Yeah. I'm
2: I'm taking another bit of a gamble here on the classic movie front, but I know that Hitchcock worked a bit with a composer called Franz Waxman. Uh, Okay. He did the score for Strangers on a Train. He just seems like someone who would have been...
0: Well, he's on my list of composers who have won Oscars two years in a row, so he definitely won. Brilliant. Uh, Let's see, nominated for some older films here. Rebecca, he was nominated for... Ah, yeah. Some others that I've never heard of. Sunset Boulevard was his first win, followed by A Place in the Sun. Ah, oh, okay. Great, great. Well done. We're going going. well here, guys. What are we up to? About eight?
1: Yep. All right, I've got two now, but I'm not massively confident. Uh, right. Did Vangelis win for uh, Chariots of Fire? He certainly did, yes. Yes, hooray. It's the only nomination, but it
0: is a win. Well done.
2: Okay, I'm going to go... Uh... Henry Mancini, I'm guessing maybe Breakfast at Tiffany's.
0: Henry Mancini, let's see, nominated in for the Glenn Miller story. Winner for Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes. yes. Well you done. Can... Also nominated for the Pink Panther. Ah. Oh, he won for Victor Victoria in
1: 1982. That was for adaptation of a score. Blake Edwards. Yeah, yeah there you go. Mm. Oh, okay. God. Alright. Um, okay, mm. I know he's been nominated. I'm not sure if he won. I think he might have won during that period when comedy had its own category. Danny Elfman.
0: Danny Elfman. How confident are you, eh?
1: Not massively, but I feel like <laughs> Men in Black might have won for comedy okay, one year. Okay, let's have a look. He was nominated for Goodwill Hunting and
0: Men in Black in the same year, in different categories, yet yeah, there was an original comedy score for Men in Black. He did not win that. Fuck.
1: I know he was nominated he was for nominated, Milk, but I don't think he won. Nominated
0: for, for Big Fish... Uh, nominated for Milk. I don't think he's won. And one. that is it. I'm afraid Fuck. he is not. Whoa! Danny Hoffman is not an Oscar winner. He is a four-time nominee. I'm uh. stunned.
1: Can I? Can nah. I try my other guess just to see if it would have been any better? Yeah. Um, Stephen Price, the guy who did Gravity. I, I feel like he might have won one, but I don't think he has. Stephen Price, one win for Gravity. Fuck's sake! Know. I it's, should have gone with Stephen way. Price. <laughs> Damn it! See, I,
2: I I had two more left in my mind. Uh, one was Go John on. and Barry.
0: Uh, for John Born Free. Barry, John Barry for Born Free, nineteen sixty six, is correct. He also won for The Lion in Winter in nineteen sixty eight. He won for Out of Africa in nineteen eighty five. Won for Dancers with Wolves in nineteen ninety. Jesus, and a couple of the nominations as well. He's won four Oscars, so that would hmm. have been a very good guess. Um, and the
2: other, the other one was Michael Giacchino. Yeah, I, I was thinking about been... him, but he's quite. I don't
1: know if he's won yet. Yeah, he's he's not been going there. He
0: might have had a couple of nods, but. Uh, he was nominated for Ratatouille, mm. and he won in
1: 2009 Fucking for hell. Ah. I was That's considering him as well, but I didn't think... Mm. Nah.
2: Why did I go with Danny Bloody Elfman? He is. like I'm stunned at that. Only four nominations for Danny
1: Elfman. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let me just throw a few other names at you that I might know. Ennio Morricone won one for The Hateful... Fuck, League. I forgot about Ennio Morricone. Morricone. He?
1: Fucking hell. Mm.
0: Yeah. Howard Shaw.
1: Oh, of course. Do that yeah. One? Yeah. Howard Shaw Lord for of Lord, Lord of the Rings. The Rings. Yeah. yeah.
0: Should have um, that. Alan Menken. Oh, mm. he won for Pocahontas.
2: Oh, see, I, I knew he'd won for songs, but I didn't know if for yeah. score. Yeah,
0: that was for that was when it was a musical or comedy score rather than a dramatic uh, score. Uh, uh, also won for Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast yeah. when they mm. just straight up. Oh, and the Little Mermaid as well. They won all of those. Hmm. Um, Herbie Hancock, if you know him. Oh, here's one that you maybe should have got Prince for Purple Rain. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Well done. Did very well on that one. Who won in the end? Me! Okay, all right. Right, next one. There's not as many answers for this, and I think you're going to get most of them.
2: Oh, it's animated film, isn't it?
0: Best
1: animated feature. Right. Okie dokie. I think I can probably um, get every uh, single one of them.
0: Calvin's me. turn to go first. Oh, shit. Okay. Winner. Winner. Okay. So, it's just, yeah, it's just winner. So, now, this has only been going since 2001. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, um, Inside Out, correct,
1: 2015, yeah. Uh, Wall-E.
0: Wall-E, 2008, correct. Coco? Coco, the last one, yeah,
1: 2017.
0: Uh, um, uh, uh, um, Up. In 2009, yes, correct. Monsters, Inc.? No, Lost to Shrek. In the very first year, Lost to Shrek, yeah. (sighs) Unlucky You want to throw a few more out? So you said you could get them all. I,
1: right, I'm going to see how many I can actually get. Toy Story three, uh, yes. Uh, Ratatouille, yes. Fuck, I'm struggling to remember Pixar films. Uh, Brave, Brave one didn't deserve it, but it won. Yes,
0: 2012,
1: uh, and then Wallace and Gromit, I believe, won in 2005. Yeah, Curse of the Were Rabbit. Yeah. And now I'm trying to remember. Something shit won in 2006, and it... Cars lost, even though it was... Was it Surf's Up that won? No, it was nominated. No, alright, I'm 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 out. <laughs>
0: uh, well, here's something you haven't got. Spirited Away.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, 2004. Um,
0: Finding Nemo, The Incredibles. Happy Feet beat Cars in 2006. Happy
1: Feet, fuck, uh, yeah. Uh, Rango. Rango, yeah.
0: Frozen... Big Hero Six and Zootopia
1: were the ones. Ah, yes. Mm. Not bad. It's not bad. The the Oscars, the the animated awards at the Oscars, always wind me up because they always glaringly omit something really deserving. Like the Simpsons movie didn't get nominated, and I know a lot of people wouldn't say it was worth one, but Surf's Up got nominated that year. (laughs) Mm. And and they always they always omit two bigger more obvious mainstream films in favor of some little arty french film Mm. and everyone thinks oh of course it's an arty little french film of course it should be nominated but then when you actually sit down and watch those films like i do uh, (laughs) they're they're generally a bit shit chico and rita shit the 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 cat of france or whatever it's called cat in paris shit uh that that Song of Kells or whatever it was, that Irish thing from a few years ago. I mean, I'm going back to, like, 2009 there. Shit. It winds me up. Although, you know, that's not to say all French animation is shit, because uh, Jacques Demi is he called? His work's wonderful.
0: The Illusionist, that guy. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, next category. A little bit different. Uh, I want you to name people who have hosted the Academy Awards. Hosted.
1: Okay. Uh Billy Crystal, correct. For Whoopi Goldberg, years.
0: yep, several times.
1: Uh, Chris Rock, Chris Rock, yep.
2: Uh, Anne Hathaway,
0: Anne Hathaway, yes. James Franco, ten, with James Franco, correct. <laughs> uh, uh, Bob Hope, Bob Hope, yes, many many times. Seth MacFarlane, correct. correct. Twenty
2: twelve. Um. Oh God, this is tough. Did Sol already say Jimmy Fallon?
0: No, no, I didn't.
2: Oh, okay. Jimmy Fallon.
0: Jimmy Fallon is incorrect. Oh,
2: which one am I thinking of?
0: The person who presented the last two years is Jimmy Kimmel. Ah, uh, is the other presenter guy? Oh, well, well I was all off after that. So, uh. really, there's some a couple more uh, well-known people here. Got uh, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, Ellen, oh, yeah. Ellen, oh, and Hugh Jackman. DeGeneres. Hugh Jackman, oh, damn, it. Yeah. I was
2: thinking Ellen Degeneres as well, but I, for some reason I thought she hadn't. I forgot okay. Hugh Jackman. Hugh
1: Jackman, the best John host.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Stewart, Steve Martin.
1: Oh, God, yes, uh, Steve David Martin. David Letterman
0: did it once. Chevy Chase has done it a couple of times. Really?
1: Chevy Chase? Very
0: yeah, cool. Johnny Carson back in the day. No. No. Uh, Jack Lemmon's done it a couple of times. So, Jack yeah. Lemon? Yeah. Oh. So, uh, not bad, not bad. So, points to Sol there. Okay, the last category in the Oscars quiz are, and there's not that many of them, black people who have won Oscars
1: <laughs> ever
0: in in any category. Okay, and I believe it's Calvin to go first. Is that right? Uh, well, Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington, correct. He's won a couple one one for lead actor, one for supporting, I believe.
1: Uh, uh Jordan Peele. Yeah, just one for best script. You know? yeah. Is that what he
0: got? Yeah. Bear in mind, uh. I'm using the Wikipedia list here uh, for what constitutes mm-hmm. black. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's just how, how huh. black you have to be to be classed as black these days. Uh, Monique? Monique, yeah. She won best supporting for, what's it called, Precious? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Based on a novel yeah, push by Sapphire.
1: Yeah. Prince. Does he count as black? He does indeed. I yeah. gave you that one earlier. Mm. Prince is yeah. correct. Uh,
2: Hattie
0: McDaniels? Yeah, correct. First. Yep. Back with Gone with the win nineteen
1: thirty nine. Mm-hmm. Uh um Whoopi Goldberg. Yes, correct. For
0: Ghost, nineteen ninety. Best supporting actress. Jennifer Hudson? Correct, two thousand six for
1: Dreamgirls. Best Supporting Actress. Oh god. Uh is Morg did Morgan Freeman win? Or is he just nominated? Morgan Freeman won for million dollar baby, best oh,
0: supporting actor.
1: Two thousand four. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking Driving Miss Daisy, so Locked
2: (laughs) up. Octavia Spencer. Yes.
0: Octavia Spencer. Where is she? She won for The Help 2011. Mm -hmm.
1: Don Cheadle? Or was he only nominated? I think he won.
0: I think he 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 was only nominated. Don Cheadle. Hotel
1: Rwanda. Did he not win? Oh, no, he was lead, wasn't he? Uh, Shit.
0: He was nominated for lead actor. Didn't win it. So I'm afraid you're out. But that year, Don Cheadle lost to... Jamie Foxx would have been the
1: correct <sighs> oh, answer. Okay. Can, I, can I check my other guess? Because I don't know if he... Yeah, go on. Q, Cooper Gooding Jr.? Did he win? Or was he just... Yeah, on? he won Best Supporting for I keep doing something. this wrong.
0: Jerry Maguire, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah, Jerry
1: Maguire.
2: My next one would yeah. have been Viola Davis. Yeah, yeah Viol- she did win.
1: Viola
0: Davis. Yeah. Viola Davis. Yeah, she won for Fences. Mm.
1: Can, I, can I check my other guesses that I was going... uh Eddie Murphy?
0: No, he's, he was nominated for Dream Girls. Yeah, I, I, I was one. thinking
1: he might have got in there for some weird thing like music or something. But yeah, I'm thinking of Dream Girls. Has Beyonce been. Oh, she's been nominated, but she hasn't won. Is that right?
0: Uh, in, a, in the music category. Yeah. I'm get down to that category. Hang on a second. Best music original score. The only two black winners of original score are Prince and Herbie Hancock and original song let's have a look we've got Isaac Hayes for the theme from Shaft of course yeah Irene Cara for Flashdance what a feeling Stevie Wonder won for I Just Called to Say I Love You
1: didn't know that was from a film
0: yeah The Woman in Red apparently Lionel Richie got one for Say You Say Me a a song from Hustle and Flow called It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp Uh, the rappers who won that are called Fraser Boy Juicy J and DJ Paul Of course. yeah there's another one there for Selma uh, I'm not
1: seeing Beyoncé anyway. No, yeah. I just imagined it.
0: Okay, let me uh, go through some of uh, the answers here. Uh, Sidney Poitier is probably Fucking one hell, of the obvious of course, ones. Poitier, yeah. uh, Forrest Whitaker for Last King of Scotland. Fucking hell, of course, mm. Whitaker, yeah. Halle Berry. Fucking hell, of course, Oh Halle yep. Halle Berry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Monsters Ball. <laughs> Lou Gossett Jr. for An Officer and Air, Gentleman. Uh, Mahashala Ali for Moonlight. Yeah.
2: Oh, yes.
0: Lupita Nyong'o for 12 Years a Slave. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they're all the acting ones, so they're the more obvious ones. And there's is a the couple dir- like of and stuff like that.
1: Is the guy directed Moonlight Black? He was nominated. Did he not um, want to direct oh, No, no they they won
0: not. Best Picture, but Best maybe player. he wasn't named producer. Hang on, so that's all your actors. They're sort of the main known ones. We've done the singers. Best Picture. The only black person to have been a named producer on a Best Picture is Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave. Oh, yeah. hmm. the, the guy who wrote 12 Years a Slave also won. He was a black guy, apparently. The guys who wrote Moonlight, they won. Uh, Jordan Peele, there we go, that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, well done. Hang on, who lost that one? I wasn't keeping track. Uh, I won. Well, that's it for now. We hope you've enjoyed some of our offcuts. And don't forget, you can interact with us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash diminishing returns podcast. Get in touch and tell us what you think of all the films that we discuss. And I'll leave you with just one last silly clip of the latest in a long line of celebrity guests on the show. See you next week. Ding dong! Oh, who is it? It's it's Japanese Joe Pesci. What's what's he doing? Why is he Japanese? That doesn't even begin to what, make
1: sense. Why do you mean I'm fucking Japanese? You're trying to say something? I
0: can't uh, <laughs> even understand. <questions. laughs> Can you, uh, Joe? Do as a do as a song. I know you love singing, don't you? <laughs> I what's love that fucking one of, rapping,
1: you little piece of shit.
0: Was that one about you being a wise guy? You like that
1: one? <laughs> I'm a Japanese wise guy. <laughs> don't don't talk to me being a little bitch. I'll leave, I'll shoot you in the face. Leave you floating in a ditch. Yeah, it's me. Japanese Joe Pesci. <laughs>